Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Happy Tuesday if you're listening to this in uh, first day subscriber world where it downloads directly to you on Tuesdays. So we are diving in today to a topic I think applies to pretty much every single one of us, which is this feeling that sometimes God just refuses to do what we want him to do. Um, in our best minds, right, we could say, Lord, this is a good idea. Why aren't you going with this? And yet I find that God almost never does what I want him to do. And somehow it's always better what he chooses. Maybe not on the front end, but on the back end, 100%. So I want to talk a little bit about just why God does this, why he doesn't do the things that we want him to and what you and I can do about it. I want to start by reading a scripture to you out of the book of Hebrews. I love Hebrews. I love how in Hebrews 12, when we get to verse 25, there's a little subtitle that God did not put in there uh, that says the unshaken kingdom. And when I think about 2020 and 2021, it's like the phrase that comes to me when I sit with the Lord more often than not is I will shake everything that can be shaken. And what that means is that God actually enjoys sort of rumbling in the foundation to see how solidified are you? Well, let's put it this way. God already knows the shaking is for us to see how solid we are. The shaking is for us to see the state of the church. The shaking that we've been through in the last several months slash year plus in America is to see the, the what's happening in our governments, in our different states, what's happening in our churches, it, it, what's happening in your family, in your own soul. That's what shaking is supposed to do. Let me read this to you. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25. I don't know if we'll keep going from there, but this is in the Amplified Translation. It says, see to it that you do not refuse to listen to him, meaning God, who is speaking to you now. For if those sons of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to him who warned them on earth, revealing God's will, how much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who warns from heaven? His voice shook the earth at Mount Sinai then, but now he has given a promise saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the starry heaven. Now this expression, this is verse 27, yet once more indicates the removal and final transformation of all those things which can be shaken, that is, of that which has been created, so that those things which cannot be shaken remains. And then we get to verse 28 and 29, and it says, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is indeed a consuming fire. I love this scripture because I love the thinking that God does like to jiggle us a little bit, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a trampoline when you've got a couple of pounds to lose. It's not a good experience. I mean, you kind of get down off the trampoline thinking, do I just start the diet right now? Do I just give up eating altogether? Or if you, you know, God forbid, have to run while you're on the beach. We went to the beach a couple summers ago and my three-year-old ran into the water and got kind of turned around and I could just tell the look 
on her face that she was confused and she kind of got sucked out. I mean, we're talking like six inches here. She was never in any real danger, but she got sucked out a little bit farther into the water than she wanted to go. And I could see the panic coming and I'm, I'm running even before she realizes what's happening. I'm, I'm running over to her to pick her up. And when I stopped running and thinking about me running on the beach in a bathing suit, this was no Farrah Fawcett experience and certainly a far cry from Baywatch. And you just kind of think, wow, there's some extra jiggle there that I wish wasn't there. When God jiggles us, when he shakes what can be shaken, we're left realizing what actually shook. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we have to stop and say, wow, I thought that was a firm belief in my thinking. But when I was pressed in this way, something came out of me that was contrary to God. I think that these things, these moments, these difficulties that we go through are supposed to be indicators for us on how to mature. It's part of the maturing process. So those Christians who are trolls on the internet, those Christians who are saying really mean things, or maybe I should even say are provoked to anger by what they read on a Facebook post, that should be an example of shaking to us. Now, that's not necessarily what this Bible passage is talking about in shaking, but this is how God works. He He jiggles us a little bit, and he wants us to see the areas that we need to surrender to him. So God, I don't know why, but God just never does what I want, right? I want him to work on this area in my life, but he shakes me up, and I realize that this one over here that I was not intending to pay attention to turns out to be the bigger important issue from his perspective. I am a student of human nature. I absolutely love watching people, not just, you know, people watching at the mall, although that can be a really good time, but I love thinking through how people think. I love watching how they are provoked, how they are moved with compassion. I don't know. I'm kind of a weirdo, but I love that kind of stuff. And there's some things I've learned about human nature that have been really important to me as a pastor to give grace and compassion when it might be easy to just feel like frustrated with people sometimes. In the same way, we have to look at God and we have to see what is his character like, what's his nature like, and how does that apply to us? So I want to talk about three things today that God just does not do. We might want him to, we might beg him to, we might hope him to, we might pray, we might whatever, but he's just not going to do it. Number one, I feel like there's like a drum roll here. Number one, God does not violate your free will. Can he? Yes. Will he? No. Now, this is a little bit of a contested point. If you are a Calvinist or you're someone who believes that, you know, God is in control and he knows every single thing that wants to happen and he makes that happen. I'm not in that camp. I don't see a, um, a claim scripturally that could say that God stands by and allows evil because he actually wanted evil to happen. I believe he does have a plan. I think he's got all the days of our life written out in some sort of a book in heaven that's biblical in Daniel and in Psalms. Uh, so I believe that. But I also believe that we have the choice to either live out the pages of that book through surrendering to the Holy Spirit or to live out the book of what we how we want to live, which might not be what God wants. So I don't believe he ever violates free will. Now, I do consider situations like Saul becoming Paul on the Damascus Road, right? Here is Saul whose will for his life is to murder Christians. He's holding the coats of the people who literally killed Stephen. And I don't think he was wanting to become a believer. And God shows up to him in such a profound way on that road. 
And so you might look at that story and say, well, God made Paul into what he was, regardless of whether Paul wanted him to or not. I don't think that's how it works. God revealed himself in a dramatic way to Paul, but Paul still had the choice of whether to yield his life. He still had the choice of whether to believe the revelation. He still had the choice of whether to sign up as a slave, in his own words, a bond slave of Jesus. And he chose that freely. God just does not violate free will. So here's where it gets interesting. When we have prophecies about specific people, when we believe God says something about this person is going to do this at this point in time, we always have to squint when we read those. And what I mean by that is that that person involved in that prophecy very well may say, no, God, I'm not interested. And then what's God going to do? Well, he's not going to violate their free will. He's not going to puppet them, right? So God doesn't violate free will. If you're, uh, you've got your eye, if you're single and you've got your eye on somebody that just, you know, you want to marry, whoo, man, this is the person for you. And you dream about them. You think about them. You marinate in thoughts about them. You're praying, God, bring me this person. This is the perfect spouse for me. Listen, those are prayers that are going to be hard pressed because God is not going to violate that person's free will. You can pray, Lord, bring me a good spouse, and I think it might be that one, right? You can hope, you can think about it. I'm not saying that you can't participate in that at some level. What I'm saying is that we have to be careful when we say that God is willing to violate someone else's free will because of something that we want him to do. It just doesn't work that way. Number two, things that God doesn't do that I want him to do. God does not make you see truth. Now, he will reveal, but he doesn't force you. It's not like he takes you by the neck and makes you stare and pry your eyes open to read truth. That's just not his nature. Here's the way that God works. The closer that we get to him, the more that we surrender to him, the more interested we are in his way, the more profound he will reveal things to us without our asking. But let me put it to you this way. I was, uh, I'm just going to be really candid here. I normally don't call people out directly, but, and I don't know this person, but I followed along for long enough to be able to make a judgment call. Um, so I don't know. I know a lot of you guys think, uh, Rachel Hollis, for example, the social media influencer, she's pretty popular. I used to follow her when she had like 120,000 followers a couple years ago. Um, and she put out some really funny stuff that we watched, but this last month she had a post about, and I don't follow her on Instagram, but I just happened to see her on the Instagram discovery page. And she had a post about shopping small, shopping small businesses, which are hurting. So she went to a crystal shop and bought some crystals of various kinds. Listen, guys, crystals are completely new age, anti-God things to carry around. It's not like you can't have a crystal, you know, in your life. But if you believe there's a power in that crystal to do anything to you, you are wrong. It's not biblical. It's actually anti-biblical. But uh, how are you going to get that truth to you when you have someone like her who professes to love Jesus, who professes to use Jesus's thoughts and ways to bring about business to her company, and then does something like that, which is so anti-Jesus? So is God going to reveal truth to all people? Not necessarily. So if you're following Rachel Hollis, for example, and you're a Christian and you're reading it and you're just absorbing all of it, thinking that God is going to tell you 100% whether every think they're saying is right or wrong, you're not understanding how God works. God expects us to seek him, to pry in, to ask questions. And more than anything, I think he expects us to get so close to him that we begin to do like the smell test, right? 
Like the smell test is when we uh, look at something and say, you know what? This does not smell like the Lord. This just, I don't know why, but something's off here. And that causes us to go in a little bit deeper, do some research, and that helps shape uh, our worldview. That's how we find truth in God. So number one, God does not violate people's free will. Number two, he does not make you see truth. He doesn't force you to see truth. Oh my Lord, is that not clear enough in today's day and age, there are people who love Jesus who do not see truth about the Bible and about his kingdom. And that's because God is not going to make them. They get to choose what they want to believe, which is sad for someone like me who wishes that they wouldn't do that. Finally, number three, number three thing that God just doesn't do that I wish he would do. God does not force your worship. He doesn't force your worship. So I don't know, have you seen this meme that's going around that's like, uh, it's about virtual church and it says, when when the pastor says, let's lean into God and I put my cereal spoon down and close my eyes. It's like, because I'm multitasking while I'm going to church, right? That's what the meme is about. God does not force your worship. So just because you show up into a church service doesn't mean that your worship is going to flow out of you. Just because you think you might want to know God does not mean that you're going to dedicate attention and adoration to him. We have to make these choices. Sometimes I think we get frustrated with God because he doesn't intervene on a grander scale than we want, but it's just not the way that he works. I'm not saying that he's absent or that he's not a part of everything. I'm saying he he uses the run way of those who are surrendered to him to come about his plan. Here's an example. Some people might say, well, you know, is it really even important if we actually pray? Like I'll say to you or in Oklahoma, it's very as common to say I'm praying for you as it is to say, hey, how are you doing? Right. People will say that all the time. Many of them do not actually go and stop and pray. But here's the thing. If God could do all of these things without our involvement, then he would not have sent his son to become a human in this way. Think about it. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to bring about what God wanted. He chooses humans to partner with. Now, obviously Jesus was fully God as well. Definitely not proclaiming that that anything different than that. But what I'm saying is that he requires partnership from people on the earth to do what he wants. So he sends his son to be a person on the earth so he can partner with Jesus to bring about the salvation of all people. And in the same way, he's partnering and trying to partner with you to do things in and through your life. He's not going to force you to worship. He's not going to violate your free will, and he's not going to make you see truth, but he wants you to surrender to him. So where do we go from here? I'm just going to encourage you, the shaking that you've been through, let it bring maturity in your life. The shaking that you've gone through, when you are frustrated with our government, when you are moved to anger and slandering someone else, pause and let that shaking show you where you need to grow in Christ. When you are disappointed by someone that you thought was a friend that has betrayed you, let that shaking mature you. When you are frustrated with government or science or, you know, fill in the blank, fashion, let that shaking mature you. We have been given an unshakable kingdom. And what God wants to do is jiggle you a little bit so that the stuff that's not helpful for that unshakable kingdom to rule and reign goes away. And then you can be held firm. You can stand firm. You can move forward like a tank and nothing can stop you. No powers of darkness can stop you. But that means that we have to participate with the things that he's shaking in us. So 
Hope this is helpful for you. I don't know about you. I get frustrated sometimes when God doesn't do what I want, but I have to step back and look at what is he actually doing? So if you're not doing what I want, Lord, what is it that you want and how can I partner with that? And 10 out of 10 times, 100% of the time, if I will do that, I will actually end up growing, becoming more mature, more solid, more convinced in my faith than anything else because I choose to participate with the shaking. I let it expose what needs to be exposed, no matter how painful that is to me, and then we can move forward. All right, you guys, that's all I've got for you today. Embrace your shaking. Let it mature you. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.